Well, good morning, church. So I got back late last night. I went down to Des Moines because the Clear Lake Lions robotics team was competing for the state qualifier, and they are going on to state, which is really cool. Yeah. So I had a few students that are in that, so I went down there to, to kind of watch that and encourage them. But when I got back, uh, I decided, I was like, I was going to take a big giant mirror from home, and then like, I tried to lift it, and it was really heavy, so I was like, I'm not doing that. So I got back at 10 o'clock last night. I went to the basement, found these three mirrors. I brought them up. I didn't want to turn the lights on because you have to like go to the back. So I did it in the dark, and I lined them up, and I was like, I started shaking the table because I'm like, I move around a lot. I'm going to knock these mirrors over. And then I'm like, if somebody walks in, like I'm sitting here like shaking this table. It was super weird. Like it was a weird moment when you're like, you know you're weird. Like I felt that in that moment right then and there. Uh, and so I am going to set these up, but I didn't have the lights on. So if they reflect right into your eyes, we may have to do this model a little bit differently. Whoa, that was step one. I almost failed at it. All right. Does that hit anybody? Okay, perfect. One down. All right. Are we hitting anybody? Too bad? Are you good? Like too bad, like not like suck it up, but too bad as in like it might be a little bit, but is it terrible? How about that? Oh, you guys, that does affect you guys. Nope, still does. Oh, nope. All right, we're going to do two. <laughs> That's okay. That's why you turn all the lights on. Okay. I want to welcome you guys all here today. If you don't know me, my name is Pastor Derek, and I'm one of the, I'm one of the pastors here at Zion, and I want to just welcome you, whether you're new or whether you're joining us online. We are so happy that you are here and worshiping with us today. And here's the thing. I hope that every one of you had the chance to uh, listen to Megan's sermon last week because I thought it was absolutely awesome. I thought she absolutely rocked it. And so, uh, though, I was talking to some of you in the lobby afterwards, and I'm not going to point out names because it would be rude. Uh, <laughs> it would be rude to talk to who I'm talking about, but somebody came up to me afterwards and was like, oh, Derek. Megan's jokes are way funnier than yours. And I'm like, all right, challenge accepted. Uh, uh, no, I'm just kidding. It's not about giving jokes. And so, uh, no, she did a great job, and it was absolutely awesome. I love when good jokes land. Uh, actually, that was my comment for her in the uh, read-through. I was just like, Megan, this is, this is really funny. Uh, so, no, it was, it's really awesome. I actually don't have any jokes in here, so we'll see how this goes. You guys are probably like, that's boring, but it's okay. Uh, but last week's message, to close out the Sola series, I thought it was just such a great way uh, to end what we were talking about. And so if you haven't listened to it, I do, I do challenge you to go back because it, it literally leads right into what we're talking about today. And so uh, you don't have to necessarily watch it in order, though. So I do encourage you, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch it uh, because I think it ties so well into this topic that it, it gives a, a very complete picture of what we're, what we're looking about when it comes to God. Uh, and his glory. And so that's what we learned about last week. We learned about the importance of, of God's glory. And glory is, it can be such a, such a complex term, but here's the part of Megan's message that I thought stood out to me the most. And it's based on Matthew 5, 16, says this, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. 
And, you know, we use that at every baptism uh, that, that I do. That's what, we, that's what we do when we light the candles. Like, it's such a cool verse about going out there and, and representing God. And she, but she worded it like this. So this is a direct quote from Megan Dennis. So here we go. Jesus is saying we should live in a way that people will look at our lives and give credit to God, not to us. And I think when we, when we reflect on our own lives, do people see God in us? And again, this is not me saying that you have to do good things to get to heaven. That's not what it's about. Salvation is through believing in the one who we are trying to live like. That is, what, that, like, that is the important part. But how do we know what that looks like? How do we know what that, what that feels like? And the answer is we have to get to know God more. So we talked about his glory last week, but, and we know that he's worthy of our attention. But what does that actually mean? What does that actually look like? How does that actually play out? And last week we were, we were challenged to read through the book of James. And did anyone get a chance to read it? Okay, I get a few nods. Actually, I have talked to a few people and some people did. I won't lie to you guys. I don't always accept our challenges that we give out at the church. So don't feel bad. Like I get it. But I did actually do this one. And I actually did look at the book of James. And, you know, something actually did uh, stand out that I would like to point out. But I'm not... I'm not going to go too deep into it because we are going to invite you guys to join us uh, as we explore the book of James through, we're going to be doing some 90-second reels that go throughout the entire Lenten season that we're going to be posting every single day, that we are going to literally walk through the book of James. So I shouldn't spend too much time there. I don't want to steal from that. Uh, but I, I don't like when we issue challenges and then don't follow up on them. And so we are going to talk about James a little bit today, but I do want to encourage you guys to check those out, especially on the day that they're talking about what we're talking about today. You guys should all have a lot of feedback and should be able to comment. And uh, you, guys will be, you guys will just be so knowledgeable that, man, it's going to be the best dialogue ever on, on social media because those are always great, right? Uh, <laughs> there, that was a joke. Thank you, one person. I will take it. Uh, for those of you who, who might not be familiar with Lent, Lent is a 40-day period that leads up to Easter. And it's Christians, it's a time meant to reflect, uh, the flect, reflect on the death and resurrection of Jesus, how important that was. And so Lent and season, that's all that's supposed to do is it's supposed to lead us and guide us to that season. And it'll begin on Ash Wednesday, which is in couple weeks. I'm not really good with dates, but February 22nd. uh, And as Lutherans, we do participate in in Lent, but it's simply to serve as a reminder of what Jesus did over us. It's not something we do out of obligation. It's not something you don't have to fast. You don't have to do any of those things. We don't use it as a religious ritual. It is simply as a way to prepare your hearts. And so throughout those 40 days, uh, we will also have a weekly traditional service on Wednesday nights from 5.30 to 6.30 where Pastor Steve, if you've never heard Pastor Steve preach it, man, he preaches it. But if you, if you haven't heard, you should come check it out. It's, it's every Wednesday we're going to be doing a traditional service where Steve's going to be walking us through the seven words of life. So I believe it's like the, seven, the last seven words of Jesus, and that's what we're going to be walking through over that next week. So there's a lot to check out, and so if that's too much or you weren't taking notes, uh, you can go to our website, and right there on the front page, our uh, communications director, she put it all out there outlined for you. But I don't, I don't want us to miss the importance of Lent. Sometimes I feel like we fail to recognize that Easter is the, great, the single greatest event in human history. 
And I get it. We like to celebrate Christmas and we like to celebrate God's birth, but God's been here forever. But Easter is literally the redemptive plan in action. This is, this is literally God's plan to save humanity. And I don't think we always fathom that. I don't think we always prepare ourselves for what that actually means. We could do without, I mean, love celebrating Christmas, but without this event, we go to hell. Without this event, we aren't saved. This is God's redemptive plan. And so that's why Lent is so important is because it, it, it builds us up to understanding that, to prayer, prepare our hearts for the loving act that Jesus did on the cross. That sometimes it's, it's so easy and so quick for us to take, take that for, take that for uh, granted. And so I don't, want, I don't want us to miss that. And sorry I spent a long time on Lent, but I do think it's so important as we go into this season uh, to, in, like, I want to invite you to it. I want you to invite you to be a part of it, your family to be a part of it, your friends to be a part of it, because I think it is so important that we understand what's happening. And so anyway, there's your invite. Okay, so let's, let's discuss James real quick, uh, lightly. Let's lightly discuss James uh, because in that first part, that first chapter, something really stood out to me. And here's what it was. In James 1, 19 through 25, okay? We're just going to do the first part, though, here at first. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So here are some of the ways that we, we are able to engage with God's word. Listen more. Don't talk so much. Try not living out of anger. Because anger is not helpful. It's not what God desires. Get rid of all the evil and filth in our life. And I don't think I need to stand up here and tell you what evils or sins are in your life. I think all of us have a pretty good inclination of what that is. This is saying, get rid of that. Humbly accept his word. The word that he has planted, the word that saves us. Like, I don't know, it's such a, I don't know, I just find, I just find that, that's, it's so simple. And yet it's so easy to miss. His word has the power to save our soul. This is why Christians, this is why we hammer this every single week, it seems like. Read the Bible. Worship God. Learn about him. Pray. That's why we push so hard. Because it can save. Take some time to spend and learn about your Father in heaven. We are asking you to try and connect with your creator. And so that leads us to the second part. So the, the verse in James, this is, continues. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless 
what you're doing. Now, I personally connected with the imagery here. That's why I did choose to use the mirrors, even though it didn't work, because we had some complainers in the front row. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, but that's why I chose the mirrors thing, because this really actually stood out to me in, uh, I don't, it's such a weird way, but, so I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you a little bit of story on it, but um, I did bring three of them up here, and the idea was for you guys to kind of catch glimpses of yourself in the mirror as we're talking. So keep that imagery in mind, but it does bring me to a story. As I reflect on the book of James, it reminded me of a story from my youth, and one of those where it's like, it shouldn't be in my memory. Like, there's no reason that strange memory should have, like, hooked on. I, it should have been one of those that I forgot, one of those that I just dismissed later. But it didn't. For some reason, it did, it did take hold. As you guys probably know about me, or maybe you don't, uh, but definitely in high school, I don't really care what I look like. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't care. Like, it's not something I find important. I probably looked in the mirror maybe five times in high school. Like, I didn't care. I still rarely care. Uh, and so that's just who I was. I rocked it. It was fine. I mean, didn't date a lot, but it was fine, you know? <laughs> but seriously, I couldn't, I, I couldn't care less. But I grew up with four sisters, uh, and I love them all now but I'm not sure I loved them all then, or it, it was a lot more questionable when we were growing up. But I had an older sister that lived a much different life than I did. She would do this thing that was just absolutely crazy to my teenage brain. Like, I just didn't understand. Every single time she passed a mirror, she couldn't help Every time. We had this mirror in our stairwell, in an awkward place in our stairwell. She would go down the stairwell and just, like, as she was walking by. Now, she was beautiful, and, so, and she took a great amount of time uh, to focus and uh, make sure that she was putting out her best, her best foot forward. And so it's just such a crazy uh, distinction between how the two of us lived our lives. And again, I'm not telling you this story to endorse either behavior. I'm not saying either one is right. But I'm telling you because, you know, I, I do. I, I think my sister did it. I think my sister did take a great deal of time to understand what she looked like because she did. She wanted to be, she wanted to present the best version of herself. And I did the bare acceptable minimum. And so, and I had no idea what I looked like. And, you know, here's the thing. Clearly that hasn't changed. I got a photo for you guys. Uh, yeah, this was me <laughs> on the left. Uh, this was me. Uh, at, this was the first, the before picture. This is uh, COVID. I went the entire length of COVID without uh, cutting my hair. Uh, yeah, I went out in public looking like that. And if you're, thinking, if you're thinking to yourself, well, that's not that bad. Like, really, that's not bad. Well, I preached looking like this. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a Lenten service. I don't know what it was. It wasn't like a main, it wasn't a main church service on Sunday, but it was a, a Lenten service where I had to wear the robe and everything, and I had a mullet. So, yeah. And, it, and if you think it stops there, uh, like, I know I grew it out for the youth program, and, like, that's barely an excuse. Like, it was supposed to be something fun for them. I don't know, but here's the next photo. This is me right before I cut it. I wanted to see how long I could get. I didn't go out looking like that, but uh, I did want to see how long it looked. Okay, you can take that one down. That one's bad. 
Uh, but anyway, <laughs> no, take it down. <laughs> anyway, let's, there you go. <laughs> I couldn't tell a story about my sister without throwing myself under the bus. And so, uh, and here's the thing to think about. Reagan still married me after that. Like, are you kidding me? That's crazy. Uh, but anyway, that's clear. Like, that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, <laughs> I clearly don't spend enough time looking in the mirror. And as the scripture notes, I must have just glanced at the mirror. I clearly didn't spend time dwelling on what I looked like. I just quickly passed it by. I didn't care what I looked like. I didn't care what I was supposed to see. It it didn't even register something important. And so as, I, I, as we look at James, I just want you to know, it has nothing to do with vanity. So like if you're hearing that story about my sister or about myself, this story isn't about vanity in any way, shape, or form. So please don't hear that. That's, that's not what I'm trying to tell you. The mirror is just simply an analogy, okay? And the verse is talking about something so much more important than that. It has everything to do with having us take time and sit in the word, getting to know God. And I think there is some great substance there. The more and more that I think we look into the mirror, the more and more we get to know God and be like God and be transformed by God. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you the answer at the beginning. Hopefully, we start seeing ourselves in that reflection. As we get to know God more and more and more, we start to see ourselves more and more and more in that reflection, similar to what Megan was talking about before. We should start to look like God. And we'd be less likely to forget what we looked like, forget what our behaviors look like, just ignore them and not, not look at them. If we are constantly spending time seeing our reflection in God, so this kind of sets up what we're going to be talking about this morning. As we begin a new series, uh, this is Rock of Ages, Volume 2. And the first series was all about the creed and what we believe. Jason took secular songs and showed how we can make them into our own personal creeds. And what we believe is important because it impacts what we become. Which is why, Volume 2, we're going to be shifting our focus a little bit on who do we believe in. We're going to be exploring that idea of who is God. And I think the timing is perfect because, like I said, it does build off of Megan's sermon from last week. We know God's worthy of being glorified. But why is he so worthy? And how are these attributes supposed to impact our lives? And so from now until Easter, we're going to be diving into the different attributes and characteristics of God as we attempt to answer these questions. And I want to take a moment right now I'm going to ask you guys, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something weird for me. Uh, you should expect it by now, but I'm going to ask you to do something weird for me. I want you to, I want you to go ahead, write this right now, close your eyes, okay? And I want you to prepare your mind for a second, like get a, whatever you're thinking about, just kind of clear it out. And I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to think about the first thing that pops into your head. Here's the question. Who is God? What does he look like? What pops into your head? What image is beginning to form? All right, you can open your eyes again. 
I'm pretty sure we all have different viewpoints of what God looks like. Maybe he looked like an old man in a, with a long white beard and a robe sitting on a throne. Maybe he looked more like Thor. I don't, I don't know if anyone actually would look, think he looked like Thor, but maybe, I don't know, Zeus or something, I don't know. Maybe you saw Jesus. Maybe that's what you think of when you think of God as just the image of Jesus. Maybe it was challenging to come up with something that he looks like, because here's the thing. We don't really have a lot of what, what God looks like, because that, that really isn't that important of an attribute of, of who God is. And so now I want to I do, do this thing again. I want you to go ahead and close your eyes one more time. And here's, we're going to do it a little differently, though. I want you to let the image in your head, I want you to let it change as I speak. As I say different words, let the image flow freely. So I'm actually going to invite the Holy Spirit in here today. We're going to pray. You guys, you guys don't have to do anything. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room today. I want you to guide the heart and the thought processes of everyone in this room as we reflect on who you are. Lord, I want you to reveal to us who you are, who you love, and why that's important. Amen. Keep your eyes shut. Here we go. God is holy, creator, sustainer, infinite, eternal, beyond all comprehension. God is self-sufficient, immense, everywhere all-powerful, all-knowing. God is unchanging. God is wise. He is sovereign. He's good. He's not complex. He's loving, gracious, truthful. God is faithful. God is just. God can be a jealous God. He's also compassionate. God is healer. He's patient. He's supreme. God is comforter beautiful, trustworthy. God is generous and God is judge. All right, you can open your eyes. Here's, here's why I wanted to do that. We're so easy to focus on what God looks like and sometimes we can make God feel so distant. We can push him so far away that we forget who God truly is. The attributes that make him worth glorifying, the attributes that make him worth following, the attributes that make him so grand. And I know there were some in there that sounded negative, 
But that's because we, don't under, we probably don't understand what it actually means for humanity. What does it mean that God is jealous? What does it mean that, uh, that God is judge? Like some of, the, some of those are kind of hard to comprehend. Some of them are hard to kind of wrap our brains around. But I hope the image in your brain started to shift to the different characteristics to the different things that make God who he is, that shows us to what God cares about, who he cares about, how he cares about them. Because if we don't know who God is, how are we going to let it transform us? Getting to know God is so important. Do we view God in all of these ways that I just mentioned? Do we limit him? Those weren't even all of them. And I'm not even saying, those are some of those, I pulled those straight, straight from the sermon series uh, that were our options that we were going to do. We may not, we probably won't get to all of them. Is this how we think about God? Is this how we, we imagine him when we go to speak to him? When we go to be in his presence, do we think of him like this? Loving, kind, generous, powerful. So today I'm going to select two of these attributes. Just two. And we're going to reflect on them. Because like I said, we're not going to be able to hit all of them. So if there's any from that list that really stood out to you as you're, in your, as you're in your community groups this week, as you're talking with your family, as you're uh, in small group, whatever it might be, if any of those attributes really stood out and you really want to know more about them, let us know, and we'll make sure to get them included. Preaching and talking to you guys, this is a walk that we are supposed to be doing together. And so if any of them really do stand out, I want to make sure that we are discussing the topics that are relevant to you. Because I think that is so important. So anyway, the two, that I, the two that I focused on are going to, they're going to sound like contradicting ideas. They're not going to sound like, they're not going to sound like they're the same thing or that they go in the same sermon. But that's okay. The first one is this idea that God is not complex, that he is easy to know, easy to understand, easy to follow. While the second one will be this idea that God is beyond our comprehension. These definitely are contradictions. They definitely feel like they are, they are different. Is God simple or is God complex? And here, here we go. The answer is yes. And I understand if that doesn't feel like a compelling answer. I know we don't like, we don't like gray areas. We like, to, we like to choose one side or the other because it's so much easier to do. It's hard when things are left in that area of being murky. And I get that. I definitely understand that. But here's the thing. There are so much in Scripture that we are left in tension. We are left to wrestle through what it means for us. That's a part of faith. That's a part of following God is wrestling through that tension. How do, we, how do we live here on earth while at the same time looking forward to salvation? There are so many things about, about that that we're just, we just have to wrestle with. And that's what I'm encouraging us to do today is be willing to wrestle with that. 
So let's begin by discussing God's simplicity. We spent this past year discussing what it means to be a simple church, that we need to have a simple faith. Even the solas reflected this idea. Now, no, those sermons were not simple. Those topics were not simple. But the baseline of what those meant or the purpose for what the solas represent is easy, is simple. No human action needs to be added to God. That's, that, that was the simple message of the solas. Each one of them reflected that. And so now we're going to be shifting gears to God's simple nature. And so we're going to turn to Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. Now, you might be thinking, what does this verse have to do with being simple? And so we're going to study it a little bit and see, see why, why, why would we talk about this. But I will say this, those words probably sound pretty familiar. Even though Deuteronomy was, is clear in the beginning of the, of the book, of the Bible, clear in the beginning, those words probably reign pretty, like pretty relevant. Because Jesus said them. Jesus quoted this scripture whenever in both in Luke 10, 27 and also Matthew 22, verses 37 through 29. He calls this the greatest commandment. The religious leaders were practicing a, a very complicated faith, a faith that relied on strict and a strict following of the law, of the rules, which by itself is not a bad thing. But they seemed to twist that idea too far and miss the point of what the law and the rules were for. So they asked Jesus, what is the simplest command, or what is the greatest commandment? Which commandment is better than all the other ones? If we're only going to follow one of the rules, which one is it? They were trying to trap him. They either wanted him to agree with them that you have to obey all of them, or they wanted him to go against Moses, which in the time that would have been unheard of. Jesus does neither because he lives in the tension. Like that's that's kind of what faith is, is all about. He flips it all upside down. He does answer them. He says, this is the greatest commandment. Love God. If you obey all the commandments, if you obey all the laws, they will point to loving God. And the more and more you love God, the more you'll reflect that love to others, to your neighbors. Love God with all your whole heart, soul, mind, and then Jesus adds in, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor. Here's the thing. Everything sounds simple when you just say it. <laughs> like, it's very easy for me to say a simple phrase like that, and we're like, oh, great, that, that, that's easy. I'll put, that into a, I'll put that into action. No big deal. But here's the thing. I know we, can, we could dive into the weeds of what does it mean to love God with all your soul. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? What does it mean to love God with all your mind, with all your strength? We could die, we could spend hours talking about that and what it means. But instead, I want us to focus on what that command implies. It means that God wants to share love. He loves us. It teaches us that love matters. 
And it's such a cool characteristic of, of God. In 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Now, I don't want to go any further through that passage because then I'd be getting more into the love attribute of who God is. But I don't think we can truly know God. If my whole sermon is about connecting with God, learning to know God, it is impossible, it says in Scripture, it is impossible for us to know who God is if we don't know what his love means. Now, here's the thing. It's one thing to say that God loves us, but it's a whole different thing to show that God loves us. So let's take a look real quick through Scripture to see how much God loves his creation. The Bible, I think, I think there's a theme throughout Scripture that I believe that the Bible wants to reveal to us that God has this desire to be close with his people. And here's the crazy part, or the part that doesn't make sense. God wants to be close to us even when we consistently push him away. In the garden, we get this image of God walking through the garden looking for Adam and Eve. He wanted to be close with humanity. He wanted to spend time in the, in, the, the, in the warmth of the day. He wanted to walk with them. He wanted to see them. He wanted to spend time with them. And what did they do? They decided that they wanted to be gods themselves and ate from the fruit, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So then God appeared as a burning bush and as a cloud. He spoke and led Moses. And what did we do? That wasn't good enough. The food, the food was bad. I, I'm going to make my own idols. That's not good enough for me. We want more. We need a king. We need all of these things. Then he decided to dwell with us, with us in tents and in the Ark of the Covenant. And what do we do there? We continued to, to ignore him. We continued to, to not follow him. We, we lost the ark. Like, there's a lot of things that we did. How We misplaced God. No, we didn't lose him, but, like, we lost him in war. But either way, like, we lost God. Like, oh, it's just insane sometimes. Then we were given the temple as a place to worship, as a house of prayer. And what did we do with that? We turned it into a den of thieves, a place of commerce, a place of selfish ambition and desire. And then the ultimate closest, he sent his son Jesus, literally Emmanuel, God with us, to live with us. And what did we do to him? We crucified him. And still, when we rejected him, what did God do? He turned that crucifixion into our redemption. But God still wasn't done yet. He's like, living with you is not enough, so I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to dwell in you. To be with you always. And what do we do? We ignore him. We don't follow him. So then he gives us scripture. The living word of God. And yet we ignore that too. 
And even though all of these things that he continually gives us, continues to show his heart and compassion for his people, he's like, I'm still going to give you salvation. Even when you reject me, I'm still going to save you. Throughout all of this, God continues to love and pursue us. Provides us a hope in the future. God is simple. God is love. But here's the thing. Now we're going to switch it up. Because let me tell you, God's complex. For as simple as God may sound, there is definitely a complexity to, to him as well. And it's really hard uh, it's really hard to understand all the stuff that we add to God with the religion and the traditions and everything surrounding Christianity. But even if we strip all those away, which we've tried to do over the last year, even if we throw all those away, it still leaves us with a lot of questions about who God is. And this kind of leads me to the main verse that I want to talk about today. With the, book of, with the book of Job is what we're going to talk about. And bo- the book of Job has never been one of my favorite books. And, you know, it's pretty bleak. It's pretty dark. Uh, but he does something in the book of Job that I think really, uh, it really captures who God is. So could you guys stand with me and read uh, our verse for today? And it's Job 11, verses 7 through 9. So let's read it together. Can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. Congregation may be seated. I'm going to say it one more time to you guys, though. Can you fathom the mysteries of who God is? Can you probe the limits of all humanity or all of the, all the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. God created every intricate detail of this world, this complex, challenging world. But does God's complexity have to be a bad thing? Isn't there something amazing about knowing that God is beyond our comprehension? Because we're running out of time, I'm just going to show the lyrics. But there's a song that, and I've, I've used it in a sermon before. There was a song when I worked at Winnebago. Anytime I got mad, I would get, anytime I get mad, I would go back to my desk. It's a six-minute song. It's called God of Wonder. I would sit down, I'd put my headphones on, and I'd listen to that song. Okay? I would listen to that song. Maybe we don't have the words. If we don't have the words, then we can play it. But... All right, that's probably good. I would play that thing as loud as I could. So, and then people would walk up to my desk, and I'd look at them, and I'd be like. <laughs> and I would just sit on that. Okay, and I don't, and just so you know, 
here's why I did pick that song. I don't think I've told this, but why I did that song is because despite my problems, despite all the issues that I might have been dealing with, despite my anger, despite my insecurities, despite my shame, I knew that God was bigger. I knew that God was more complex. The God of wonders beyond our galaxy. There is so much awesomeness in the complexity of who God is that we will spend our entire lives learning who God is. That we will continue our entire lives chasing God, learning about who he is. So I'm going to go ahead and invite the band back up. And here's the thing I, I want to I end with. There are so many things about, about God that's complex. There are so many things about God that is simple. But here's what I want you to do. Here's my challenge for each and every one of you this morning. Don't just go through the motions. I want you to chase after God with your entire heart with your entire soul, with everything that who you are, and I want you to get to know who he is. If I reflect into you, I apologize. As we, as we continue to grow and look more and more at God, I hope that as you stare and spend time with him, as you reflect, reflect in his word, that when you start to do that, you start to see your reflection in His. We are what, the more and more we are like God, the more and more we reflect that into the world, the more and more we get to become His children, to be a part of this plan, to be a part of everything that He is offering. I want that for each and every one of you. I don't want any of you to feel like Christianity is just something we do, that it's just something that looks good, that it's just something that we do because we live in a small town, or it's something because it's what your parents expect of you. I don't want any of that for anyone. I want to introduce you to the coolest man in the room. I want, you, I want to understand that the most awesome person in the entire universe wants to get to know you wants to learn about you, wants to connect with you, wants to be one with you, and wants to live in eternity with you. We have to let that change our hearts. We have to let that change who we are. We have to let that change how we interact with each other, how we affect one another. God is simple. God is complex, but his mission isn't. Love one another. And if you struggle with that, if you struggle with what it means to love one another, continue to turn towards him and he will show you what that looks like. God will show you and reveal to you what it means to love your neighbor you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just, we invite you into this day. 
Lord, I want you to just light a fire in each and every one of the hearts of the people in this room today. Let them love you so much. Let it just be something that they just can't wait to learn more about you. Like that book that you can't put down, let it be the Bible. Let it be something that they have to know what happens next. They have to know who you are. Lord, thank you for being so complex while at the same time giving us the simple message. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in the powerful name we pray. Amen.